happy. How are you? <laughs> You're off even earlier than usual. I know, man. I had such grand designs. I was going to do about half an hour of work. And then, like, I had a bit of a, a problem with my website, which is, a, anyway. Oh, a bad luck. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, let's turn this unfortunate morning into a morning glory, which sounds well, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that could be our fade-up. It depends. Um, this, this, I assume, Jimbo, is going to be a bit of an epic. So shall we jump in and sort of like catch up as we go? Yeah. But first of all, um, lovely to see you, old son. Very you nice. too, old boy. You too. I love how I always start our podcast with a wave to you. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's good. For the, for the listeners at home, yeah, it's, it's strong stuff. It's content, Jimmy. It's content. I like it. Last night, overnight, um, here in Down Under, we had a storm, which is anyone that is listening that's ever been to Australia will know the storms in Australia feel apocalyptic, you know, and uh, they're just I, honestly for a whole hour, uh, gee, and I would just look it out the window and it was just flashing the whole room, house rocking sort of thing. That's Hitchcockian, Sheppy. Hitchcockian, it's, you could well, say. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, you're, you're lucky. You, you could have been recording this, like, in the wreckage, like, in a tiny little hut. Uh, so, <laughs> so there you are, on, like, on a washed up on a beach. So, so I'm glad you're here with us. It's a bit gusty today. I almost lost my hat. So I think that's comparable. <laughs> um, now, let's, uh, let's say hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I'm Jim. <laughs> I'm Sheffy. Hello. How's it going? Now, now, Jimbo. Oh, well, first of all, yes. Jimbo, what is this Shoulders of Giants of which you speak? What is this podcast all about? This podcast is all about uh, reimagining, um, so far, all just exclusively movies we love, Sheffy, um, and thinking of parallel universes, sequels, and uh, things that could have happened differently in the universe and um we've, not necessarily uh, better just different yeah just nice speculation <laughs> you know a what if yes yes often the the world is a much better place without our suggestions so <laughs> i'm i'm totally ready to uh, to go with that that's absolutely fine as far as i'm concerned so sheppy last week you set us a bit of a, a challenge to come up with any a sequel to any yes. Hitchcock movie any Hitchcock movie I directed by Hitchcock. Mm. Yes, well, because it's Hitchcock, isn't it? I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, Jim. I was thinking strategically. I had one film suggestion lined up and totally chambered. But I am, of course, you know, I'm seeking a bit of variety also. And, and of course, because it's us, it's a lot of 80s and 90s. And I thought of Hitchcock, um, and I love a bit of Hitch. You know, he, what, I mean, what a bastard. Love that guy. Um, and... I don't know. I will be honest. I'm not, I, I love Hitchcock, but I'm not a massive Hitchcock fan. You know, um, he, talk about shoulders of giants. I am indebted to Hitchcock because, you know, Spielberg and billions, everyone, it was influenced by him and he really crafted the modern, you know, perfect thriller, action film, tentpole. So I love all of that. And, you know, he was the prototype uh, and a pioneer of many of these things that we take for granted now. And a lot of it is a bit clunky, um, but, you know, 
it's dated, but it hasn't, it's not, it's, it's of its time, let's say. It's not dated, that's, that's too negative. Um, and that's great. And I like some Hitchcocks more than others, but it occurred to me, Jimbo, and this is the real crux of, you know, the, of what you were asking me. This is my answer, really. Hitchcock never made a sequel. Now, there have been sequels made to Hitchcock films. Um, uh, Psycho 2, which have you seen Psycho 2, Jimmy? I have never seen Psycho 2, Sheppy. Never seen it. Which is ridiculous. Mm. Well, what about Psycho 4, the beginning? Well, don't, <laughs> no. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I will say this. Um, <laughs> I will say this. Uh, in terms of Psycho 2, it's really good. Genuinely excellent. Uh, it was made in the early 80s. Not by Hitchcock, obviously, but it's Anthony Perkins returning and it's set 20 years later. In fact, the tagline is something like 20 years later, Norma Bates is coming home. I'm pretty sure. And I think it's 1982. And I saw it when I was about 14. Uh, it was on BBC One randomly one night and I watched it and I really liked it. And I was aware even then that like, oh, that's surprising. You would imagine it's going to be a bit shit. And since then, I've, I've found that a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, Psycho 2. It's, it's great. And it is a really good sequel. Um, but Hitchcock never made any sequels. He sort of, he replayed the same themes in a lot of his films. The, uh, his, one of his favourites being the wrongfully accused man doing a Richard Kimball, going on the run, having all of that. Um, and with, you know, set pieces and so forth. And he did that a number of times. In, and, you know, he, and he remade one of his films. He remade The Man Who Knew Too Much. I always want to say The Man Who Knew Too Little, but that's Bill Murray. But yeah, so, and but yeah, The Wrongfully Accused Man on the Run, uh, he did in 39 Steps and North by Northwest, of course, probably most famously. And a film that I love of his called Saboteur, that I always think is Sabotage, but that's another film he made a few years earlier. But Saboteur, is really good and that's if anything the ultimate penultimate build up to um what he perfected in north by northwest so good old hitch but again he repeated the formula a lot but he never made a sequel and so that was just an intriguing idea and also just to leave the door wide open to you now i i want to say that when i gave this to you last week i was pretty certain that we were both thinking of the same film. You were kind of like, when I first gave it to you, were like, uh, oh, oh yeah, well, okay, okay. And I was like, oh no, yes, of course. Cause there's only one, there's one really obvious Hitchcock film to do a sequel with. And I was convinced that you were choosing that one. So I choose something really randomly. But then I sort of went off on one and I sort of, which we'll come back to, but I'm dying to know what the Hitchcock you chose. And before you say, because you know, we'll, we'll do a little spoiler, just, but I will say this, um, out of all the Hitchcock sequels that could conceivably be made, which I thought of, because um, again, they don't really lend themselves to sequels to Hitch films. Um, that, because, you know, with Hitch, it's for the most part, his films are less about the heroes and more about the situation. And because the situation is resolved conclusively at the end of each of his films, they don't lend themselves readily for continuation. And also, you know, it seems to me that Hitch's films were, you know, for that reason, self-contained. 
And, you know, sequels can either be, you know, good sequels can either be like a continuation of the story or the next separate adventure of the hero. Uh, bad sequels, are, you know, being like retreads and repeats. Of, you know, and I love Die Hard too, but, you know. So it's like, perhaps, you know, there's, there are occasionally he does like a character who could be continued, um, but not, not really. Because again, it's usually the situation. But the Hitchcock sequels that popped into my mind, the most obvious was North by Northwest. Now, what do you say to that, Jimbo? <laughs> I say fist bump, Sheppy. I say fist bump. That's exactly where I went. That's exactly where I went. Yeah. For the character point that you just made. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, there you go. Well, that's great. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, that was the, the one that jumped to my mind. And I'm just going to say South by Southeast. If, if you haven't called it South by Southeast, I'll be so impressed because that's, you know. But <laughs> I, haven't called I was it also that, thinking I in haven't. terms of potential hitch. Oh, well, you're, you're a genius. I love it. That's great. <laughs> um, that's, but I'll say this. Um, other, other sequels that came to my mind would be um, a sequel to To Catch a Thief and, you know, To Catch a Thief. You know <laughs> what I mean? For the sequel, To... Yeah, um, because in that sense, To Catch a Thief is about Cary Grant, who's a cat burglar. And so, yeah, he has another adventure um, that could work. I was thinking of this weird one for like uh, Rear Window, because that's a film that's self-contained in its premise. But at the end of Rear Window, Jimmy Stewart has two broken legs. And I thought the film could be him coming back from some sort of photo gallery opening because uh, he's a photographer and he's got broken legs on the train and that's not what the film's called and he uh, <laughs> overhears a conversation and again it's a real diehard how can the same shit happen the same guy but instead of perhaps witnessing a murder he now isn't sure he's really drugged up on painkillers and he's not sure if he overhears a plotted assassination attempt and but is it paranoia and he's just stuck on the train the whole time and the whole film is stuck on the train with him so that's the sequel that's to a brilliant sequel Sheppy. that is a brilliant like a rear compartment if you want to be uninspired but you know <laughs> something something could happen in terms of Hitchcock so we know what your choice is and I actually kind of thought of a few little ones I've got one main one but kind of like with Jaws so if you'll indulge me I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of splurge on a couple of ideas not just the absolutely you know, the Jeffy thing. can I say a couple of quickies around Hitch himself just there. yes and I wanted to actually quick. mention something yeah. else as well so yeah that's cool well, look, just one thing. Is Psycho 2 the one with the ice cubes, like the body and the freezer? Is that Psycho no, 3? No, that's Psycho 3. <laughs> yes, that's Psycho 3, which was directed by Anthony Perkins. So there you go. Good old Perkins. It's like Nimoy only coming back if he could direct. It's like you, if you want Norman Bates, then I've got to direct this thing. Is a, I assume that conversation. But you're absolutely right. There is a Psycho 3 and there is a Psycho 4. Psycho 3... I saw a very long time ago, and I don't know if it's any good. Psycho 4 was a made-for-TV movie, and I'm pretty sure it's pretty shit. Uh, but I might be wrong, but it probably is. Psycho 2 is genuinely very good. I mean, come on, we all know I love Jaws too, but Psycho 2 is, is legit good, I'm saying. Um, yeah, it's much better than it has any right to be. Um, so I'm, I'm putting it above Jaws 2. May God have mercy on my soul. <laughs> And I, I think uh, 
Psycho 3, though, Sheppy, I remember, I've never seen that either, by the way, but I remember you describing that ice cube scene to me in, like, painstaking detail, the playground, wow. all the time, like, you just were going off wow. on about how clever it was and everything. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> how, well, it's a, it's a sheriff sucking on a bloody ice cube. It's a, it's a tense, disgusting, ew. And as a schoolboy that appealed to my blood and guts uh, <laughs> fetish, which are fortunately well over now, of course. Um, um, just... In terms of Hitchcock, I've been blathering away for ages. So before we get to anything else, I wanted to say to you, like, what's your relationship with Hitch, Jimbo? Sheppy, no blather. No blather at all, old Bean. And it's, it was a wonderful un- intro. I, I think Hitch is an interesting one because, uh, well, part of your wonderful intro, I just want to say, two catch, two thieves, just to add another two for you, would be amazing. As a no, oh, that's sequel. good stuff. Um, oh, no, that's... That's wonderful. <laughs> and also that could be the, um, I keep want to say Grace Kelly. I think it's Grace Kelly. Uh, but yes, the chick from Two Catch and they could both be thieves together. That's a genius note and I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> um, and then the, the Die Hard 2 stuff you were mentioning, I, I, I can't help but feel every time you're watching it and thinking it would have to have that line, that Bruce line, how can the same shit happen to the same guy? It's just, it just is there because it's all about circumstance, like you said. Um, I think... Um, Hitchcock, right? I mean, he is one of the, I, I kind of infuse it with Jaws a bit for me because it, it, Jaws was a movie that my parents were excited to show me. Do you know what I mean? And then the Hitchcock canon equally, yeah. when they realized I was a bit of a movie geek and loved it, you know, they were like, okay, well, if you like movies, you have to see these movies. Like, do you know what I mean? It was in that space. And so I find that I've got a lot of nostalgia associated with him and, you know, watching with both my nan and with, you know, mum and that, you know, just, it's really lovely. Do you know what I mean? Thinking about just re-watching them. Yeah. And I, I, for this, I re-watched North by Northwest and I, and, and uh, it was Fantastic. just an absolute top to bottom treat, Sheppy. And even G, who sort of was a, a bit cynical about it, ended up kind of just engrossed in watching it with me and kind of absolutely loving a bit of the Grant charisma and stuff, which nice. is just nice, you know? And yes. I, I, I think, um, yeah, it's interesting you say that that one is quite the most sequelable. I went there because I've always wanted to see more of that character. I think it is my favourite Cary Grant performance, and that's exactly nice. why I went there. But I, watching it, you know, it's not the most obvious. It is pretty simple to think of a sequel idea for it, but it's just... It's, I just... It's plot yeah, I mean, I, kind of I was tied, thinking it? in terms of... Yeah, sorry, there is a bit of an overlap with us, so yeah, it's, but yes... Um, it's you know espionage so you know he can get sucked back in easily she's connected mr waverly is connected so yeah they could get on their honeymoon and he could just pop up like you know as if by magic mr waverly pops up and says <laughs> you know you know i need two more people i can like just d- actively deny two more expendables go on <laughs> you seem to do quite well before so yeah uh, I would be well up for that. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Good old Grant, good old Saint, good old everyone, uh, good old Mason. Yeah, yeah. I've got one, um, just while we were doing the terrible titles, I'll get them out of the way as well. So I, I, th- these are no, and th- these are not good, Sheppy. So I just <laughs> went with, with puns instead. So rear window to front door, the obvious. I love your rear carriage. Um, <laughs> to catch a thief, to release a copper, terrible. But what I'm really proud of is uh, <laughs> just imagine... <laughs> to release a copper? Oh my God, I want to see that so much. It could be the spiritual sequel to Nuns on the Run. <laughs> Oh yeah, 
and, and what I'm proud of is basically assume, imagining the MI5 switchboard with dial M for murder, dial Q for gadgets. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. We watched <laughs> on every level. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, yes. By the way, Jimbo, you and I do have a shared Hitchcock that we watched together, and it might have been the first time you saw that film. Uh, in Cranley, uh, you and I, I believe, watched Psycho, like when we were fairly yeah, You're young. right. I did watch that first with you. Nice. No, had you seen it already? And were you giggling about the fact this Janet <laughs> Lee ladies? <laughs> yeah, uh, I have to say, I had, I had, um, but not that much longer, no, not that further away. God, longer ago? Yeah. It was, it was yeah. And, but it wasn't like behind the knuckles, giggle, titter, snort, welch, or anything like that. It, it was more like, uh, just oh, I think I just really want to watch this again and see it with Jimbo. So I, yeah, that was the thing because I remember watching it for the first time. Psycho, this is and being, you know, I when she got into the shower, I knew about the shower scene because it's Psycho and the shower scene is you know famous. But so when she got into the shower at like the forty minute mark or forty five minute mark, I was like oh, but it can't be this scene yet because you know. And so the film still got me in a. You know, in a different way. So good old hitch for that, because then she got you know stabbed up. Spoilers. Uh, so that's nice. So yes, and and we did see it. Um, and that's that's tasty. Oh, whilst we're talking about other things, did you ever see the Gus Van Sant ninety eight no. shot for shot? With I saw that at the oh. cinema. Oh, wow. Any yeah. good? Mm, well, I mean, yeah, because it is psycho, and yeah. it has the occasional flourish. You know, the mirror jump is really effective in the Van Sant more. But again, pure standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, he just perfects it. Um, but, you know, Vince Vaughn doesn't work um, as, as Norman because by that point he was still fresh as Trent and, you know, Trent's Trent. So you can't you get out of that swingers thing at that stage. He was too charismatic to, to play that role at that point. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's okay. It's all right. As a curio, it's fine, but it, you know, it's needless. It's fairly pointless. Yeah. Um, so, Jimbo, what are your three favourite, in no particular order, your th- or or maybe in order, your three favourite Hitchcocks? I'm gonna. I I think they're gonna have to be a Barry Norman throw the three in the air, Sheffield. Uh, okay. <laughs> I wanted to try and get a little spit take for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It turned into a gulp. I have an air bubble now in my lungs. <laughs> Uh, look, I'm going to get very simply Vertigo, Rear Window, and North. Those are my two. So Jimmy Edge's Carey for me, then, I guess, on that balance. Oh, well, there two, you go. 2 you 1 know. after extra time. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, it's what you do with it that counts, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's simply that. I like Psycho, but it's just, I, I feel I love those three movies. Just love them. Mm. Yeah. I was very lucky that I got to see North by Northwest at the cinema uh, with your friend and mine, Dr. Ike, in Guildford. Um, and I, I'm sure I had seen it before. I'm positive. I know I had. But seeing it in the cinema when I was like probably, I guess, 17, that was great. And when that music, you know, and then the lines coming at the screen and everything. Oh, God. So, yeah, so that that. That is my favourite, and not just because of that experience, but because for me it really holds up, and I like an action-adventure caper, and it is the best action-adventure caper ever made, clearly, and Grant is on it 
uh, and Mason, I love Mason anyway. So just having Mason there being amazing is great. And um, Martin Landau being there, being a right tosser, that's great as well. Um, and yeah, so love it. So that's my favorite. Um, after that, oh, um, it would be Rope, which I actually rewatched recently in preparation for this. Spoiler, but that's not my main choice, but I had a rear window sort of thought about what could be for Rope. So yeah, I'm very, very, very self-indulgent this week, I'm afraid. But um, so Rope, I love Rope. It's all one shot and I'm a big sucker for all one shots. Um, and it's great and it's uh, tense. And I also like films sort of like Sleuth all set in one location with some sort of dead body present. Uh, that's that's a good subgenre. They don't talk about much. So so yeah, Rope. And I like I said, I really like Saboteur. And I bought said Dr. Mike like 20 Hitchcock box set DVD thing for his birthday. And then we spent like two years watching it. And so there were relatively, you know, not the big, big hitters like, you know, the ones that we've been talking about mainly, but, you know, slightly less well-known Hitchcocks. And this one's from the 40s. So I really like Saboteur. And whereas, you know, it's really is the blueprint, you know, whereas instead of the uh, Mount Rushmore climax, it's the Statue of Liberty and they're hanging off that and stuff. It's really good. Um, I've never seen it. So that might be my third. Yeah, it's 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 highly recommended. So I'm, but you know, that's kind of me trying to be a bit artsy fartsy, perhaps, and not say Psycho because I do really like Psycho. Um, but you know, I like. Then I start going into oh yeah, but I also love Rear Window, and I do really like Rear Window as well. So all of those are my favourites. But I'm going to say Saboteur is my official third, just to be spicy. Uh, so so that's nice. Um, was there anything else you wanted to mention before I go into my main splurb? I'm ready for the splurb. Splurb me. I was sort of worried that um, there was there's something I'm going to like forget to have mentioned because Hitchcock's such a meaty topic. You know, I haven't been, you know, even like I say, I'm not, he's not my favourite director, but he's so important, you know. Uh, yeah, and also he's got a funny you. face. That was a beautiful intro you've given generally. And I think you and I are going to be doing this pod till we're well into our 70s. So we've got more than enough time <laughs> to revisit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that's that's a sobering thought. <laughs> I love it. Right. <laughs> Good stuff. Yes. All right. Um, so, yeah. So the one I chose is another one that I really, really, I, so it's the birds. It's the one is, is my main focus. Yes. Okay. Uh, I was going to do a prequel called The Bird. No, that's not true. That's not true. Um, <laughs> no. Um, now, I had a very strong mind about The Birds. Uh, I hadn't seen it for a while. I'd seen it twice before. Uh, the last time was about six years ago, seven years ago. And the time before that was maybe 10 or 12 years ago, something like that. Maybe even longer. Uh, maybe I saw it at university. Anyway, I've always liked The Birds, but I haven't loved it. But it's always good stuff. Um, so I thought about that because, again, it, I remember, spoilers, it ends with The Birds not being stopped or defeated and they're still there and the ending sort of left open. So in that respect, it was sort of like, oh yeah, okay, it's what happens to these people next with the birds. And I 
thought, my original thought was, well, how about like a kind of a disaster movie? So like a real, whereas the first one is like signs and it's an alien invasion from the point of view of this farm, then the sequel is Independence Day and it shows it on a global scale, but it stays with the, with the people, with the, with the three principles, but it also cuts to like North Africa and there it follows like a big epic disaster movie, Towering Inferno, instead of meteorites, uh, it's you know it's birds it's that sort of but you know like disaster movie and I kind of stuck with that template when I when I moved forward but I did re-watch the birds and I'm so glad I did now I mentioned that the ending have you seen the birds Jimmy yeah 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 love it love it nice um, well, I mentioned that the ending is is open ended in that there is it, it's it's you could say it's anticlimactic. Uh, there's a there's one final large attack at the house, and then they get into the car, and they're all fucked up, and they drive away, and that's the end. And I always thought it just needed something uh, else. You know, I, you know, as a viewer in my entitled sitting on my throne watching it. I mean, like, but yeah, I, so it was always like an unsatisfactory end to me. But then I rewatched the film and it occurred to me, this isn't a thriller about killing, about killer birds. And it's not a horror film about killer birds specifically. That's, you know, an aspect. Um, what it is, is an apocalypse tale. It's not a disaster film. It's a proper zombie nuclear when the wind blows it's the end of the world and that last scene when they open the door and they leave the little house and there's all the birds everywhere it's like a nuclear landscape when he opens and the, the wind is like it's all desolate and everything and it's like oh no yeah it's this isn't about like even like a jaws or an alien it's not about surviving this this is the first act that we're seeing and now as they drive away, it's the Birdageddon, it's the end. It's, um, and, and so when I saw it through that prism, um, not only did it suddenly go, oh, well, that, that works for a continuation, um, but yeah, it's like a zombie film. It's, it's the end of mankind. And that's how I chose to see it. And there might be people, one, whoever, if there's anyone out there listening to this, who's like, duh, but I don't know, that had never occurred to me uh, before. So with that in mind, my sequel is what I thought in, in that it's going to be a global Hitchcock, but it's not a disaster. It's uh, it's an end of the world and it takes it up a notch. And so we've seen the first act um, and, and, and then it just, it opens it up and I have a first scene, uh, but I will say this before I, I um, the sequel. So the first film is like the first act, as I say, um, the first film is kind of like Psycho in that we have the romance of the two leads uh, and the first chunk of, of the birds, and it really takes its time, is that it, it builds and builds and you get invested in this kind of superficial relationship that's growing from these, well, I should say a superficial, two superficial characters, but they're actually getting a real relationship. And their film is interrupted by the bird attack, just like Janet Lee's film was interrupted by being stabbed to death. And it takes a plot, you know, their plans are derailed by something larger and the film changes with them. And they're like, oh shit, this isn't what we thought it was. Uh, so I like that. That was just something else I wanted to mention. Um, yeah. so, so, so there you go. So I got, so literally 
Also, you know what, in the birds, they give you two sequel titles and they even say that whoever says it says, use one of those. And they might be talking about a newspaper headline, but it's uh, Attack of the Birds or War of the Birds. And he literally says, Attack of the Birds or War of the Birds, use one of those. And I'm like, I will. Um, so <laughs> this one should be Attack of the Birds. And then there should be a third one, which is War of the Birds. But I like the title War of the Birds so much, and I'm Hitchcock right now, so I'm choosing to call that this film The War, the War of the Birds, and it's The Birds too. And, I, and I've got an opening, which I'll just quickly get through, um, which I, I ripped off 100%. When I saw The Birds six or seven or eight years ago on DVD, I watched the making of, and they showed storyboards about one possible ending or different possible endings to the film that they never did. And one of them, I was just like, they, sh they should have done that. And even with my post-apocalyptic thing now, it would have been quite cool and it's a shame they didn't do it. So I've stolen that from my opening, but I, well, that's the end of my opening. So the whole opening is this, it opens almost immediately after the end of the first film they've uh, the survivors oh i should say yeah so it's mitch brenner is the main character and uh, the love and the female is uh, melanie daniels and then uh, the, his mother uh, lydia brenner and then his younger sister kathy brenner who's veronica cartwright uh, and and a cage of two lovebirds uh, and those are the survivors and they've, they've driven away and the, the, the lovebirds haven't gone mental in the first film, which is nice. So the film starts, uh, the war of the birds starts and it's, it's the car and they're driving back to San Francisco and they're fucked up. And by the way, Melanie, who's Tippi Hedren, who's attacked in the house at the end, she is fucked up at the end of the birds. She is like a basket case. She, her brain is broken. These people survived the first film, but they're not really survivors. They, they thought they were in a romantic comedy. And at the end of this film, they're all fucked, but she's, she's, she's gone. She's not, you know, she's, she's, she's a broken, empty vessel. Uh, so, she, so they're all in the car and they're all pretty, you know, they're driving in that sort of like stunned, you know, total shock. Um, and they're driving uh, on the coastal road that we've heard about from the town. I forget what, it, what it's called. Uh, which in the books was in Cornwall, and they're driving back along the coastal road to San Francisco, and they're passing like scenes of post-horror, you know, like cars swerve to the side of the road, smouldering wreckage at the bottom of the coastal cliffs, some pecked bodies splayed about here and there, but there are no signs of any birds, uh, just the desolate uh, aftermath. Uh, tension mounts between the travelers in the car, pure Hitchcock, this is all pre-cred, by the way, I don't know if that's something Hitchcock would ever have thought of doing or would have been deemed, but it's pre-cred, I don't care, because I love a pre-cred. So um, they're, they're driving and the tension's building in a pure hitch way between all four of the, the people, uh, mother and son and younger sister and the chick. And I see the mother and um, Tippy Hedrum in the back seat and uh, the young 10-year-old sister and Mitch the dri is driving the car. 
Um, and Mitch keeps saying, you know, if we could just reach the city, once we get to the city, it'll be all right. You'll see, you'll see, just hold on until, wait until the city, 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 just wait till the city, everything will be fine once we just get there. And he's got all the hopes and dreams pinned on that. They round a bend on the highway and stop the car with a jolt and stare out of the windscreen or windshield. And we cut, really for the first time, we cut to outside the car and the whole time has been the view from the inside of the car. Um, of all this stuff but then we cut and they're, they're on top of a hill overlooking San Francisco and we see the Golden Gate Bridge stretching ahead uh, across the bay and it's covered in thousands and thousands of birds and the city beyond is totally destroyed and it's smoking and there are sirens and screams and but this is old news the city has already fallen and I can even see really quickly a little hitch cameo of some fat dude covered in birds running across the Golden Gate and falling to a <laughs> Off the Golden Gate, Hitch would do that. That's good stuff. Um, so, so yeah. And then it just, yeah, that's that. And they're they're just staring at this. And that image of the Golden Gate covered in birds. That's that's from the storyboard that they didn't use for some reason for the film. But I like that. But the, the gimmick. I also thought because I couldn't remember, even though I just saw the film, I couldn't remember if the mother who was played by Jessica Tandy and she was aged up. Imagine having to age up. Jessica Tandy but yeah I couldn't remember even though I'd just seen the film if she had uh, survived or not so I didn't include her until I remembered or in fact I was reminded by my girlfriend that she did survive so then I thought maybe she could die and I have to say I'm ripping this off but I wasn't thinking of this but it's obviously influenced by something that you and I are fans of Jimbo but I'm thinking a possibility Eva at some point in the film because the, the film is now them driving maybe to Chicago they have to get to Chicago for some reason um, but the mother in the car who also had a big breakdown and in the first film she had a big breakdown and said I don't want to be alone I always I'm just a bitch but that's only because I don't want to be alone so this so now she's a total shell and I figure maybe they're driving and they're, they're all arguing and tensions are fucked and they're screaming and he says why can't you be more like mother she hasn't complained for hours you need to be more like her and be strong she's finally become strong and you need to be strong like her I love you mother I, I... and then Melanie turns around and like she's dead Clark <laughs> <laughs> but yeah basically I mean it can be done <laughs> you know and she's been dead for hours and Hitchcock would love that and you could play it, you know, straight and it's horrific. And it's like, oh my God, my mother's just died in the backseat of the car and she's been dead. And I misinterpreted her death as her being strong and stoic. And, and that's blackly funny. And I think Hitch would get a kick out of that. So yeah, I think that could work without it being totally, obviously, subconsciously at least influenced by vacation. But yes, yes. So that, that's good stuff. I've got um, so that's... stuff to say about that, Sheffy, but we'll get to the end. <laughs> All right. So, yes. So basically, like I said before, it still remains a kind of a global thing. So there are people in North Africa oh, and also different types of birds are attacking. You know, so you get a whole variety, all sorts of birds, small birds, big birds, um, chickens, turkeys. You know, you could have a whole sequence of a turkey farm and Hitch would like that as well. It's done straight and it's done horrifically and it's people being gobbled to death, but it, it's hysterical being killed by a, a flock of turkeys. So that's that's fun. Or geese as well. All sorts of birds. penguins in the Antarctic. You know, penguins kill these people. 
there's there's it really open it up and this is hitch doing like a, a really big commercial film and he's got a big budget and for some reason the birds was really successful i mean it's great but it was really successful so he's just been given a lot of money for this film and he's like okay and he's he's going for it so and you've got people it cuts to people in london and you've got like like any disaster movie you know instead of an upturned boat this is you know a capsized boat this is this is the world because so like people in london like two people who are among the main characters, people in France, Paris, you know, Eiffel Tower covered in birds, Big Ben covered in birds, Statue of Liberty covered in birds, uh, pecking its eyes out. So all that, uh, Sydney Opera House, Great Wall of China, seen from space, covered in birds. All of that writes itself, proper Roland Emmerich style, every land face, every landmark is defaced. Speaking of being defaced, and we were talking about it earlier, but you've got like Mount Rushmore and they're just pecking away and it's just as normal, you know, again, darkly <laughs> humorous, but Superman 2 it's just, there's nothing left. And they're just like, oh no, you, know, you can never take our freedom, birds, oh no. So there's all this as well. Um, and, 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 you know, like I said, North Africa, in the Antarctic, there are these people and they're trying to, um, scientists getting, getting it together. And again, it's kind of like, there has to be something we can do. We have to stop the apocalypse. Uh, like a zombie film or some, or even an alien invasion film, there's something, a microvirus, there's got to be something we have to do. And if we all work together as a globe, Russia and America and everyone else like coming together, then together we can be. And there's the sort of the theme um, of the film, uh, you know, divided we fall, united we stand, all that sort of thing. Um, and again, we, we see big set pieces of cities being decimated and destroyed, um, millions of birds going absolutely apeshit. You know, the first film was just the beginning. Governments collapse. We have failed army attempts, like in War, War of the Worlds, of them trying to mortar these birds, but they're just doing a Henry Jones Sr. and flying into planes and shit. And, you know, them. And, and then we go, uh, we, one of the groups that we go to is like the White House, and it's the president's losing his shit. And you go, Damn birds! And um, there's like the chief scientist who's like the 1960s version of Jeff Goldblum, who's like, come on, man, we have to do this. And the president's going, you're lost. Your mind and he against everyone's instructions the president gets into like the helicopter outside on outside the oval office and goes to take off and then they get attacked by like and they fly and the helicopter crashes into like the washington monument or something uh that could work and again all the, bir all the birds on this black washington monument and all the birds fly out away from it just in time for the helicopter with the president to crash so one of the people the, the science guys one of the survivors is a biologist in india an anthropologist an anthropologist in cornwall as a Maurier nod and all this and again different birds in everything and we keep cutting back to mitch and everyone in the car and they're the thing that keep it all together their simple journey of trying to get to chicago and one of the people maybe the scientist from dc is trying to get to Chicago and he knows Mitch. And so, and there are people in Rome who she knows because they were talking about Rome and she's a jet setter anyway. So that's sort of the you know, what everyone's trying to do. There's also a, a, a sequence I thought on a train, like a really crowded passenger train. Everyone's trying to you know, escape from the cities and they're overpacking and crushing, crushing themselves onto these trains. And then you know, the trains are attacked by birds and there could be a big, Hitchcock sequence of like people stuck like sardines and you know what sardines uh, you know, like eating sardines oh, no. <laughs> and then birds come and yeah someone tries to escape and he falls under the train and you know all this stuff people are uh, crushed inside there's a shot 
from outside of the train whizzing by the countryside and you know maybe someone waiting at a dang 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 car thing with the barrier comes down then this train goes through and then you just see all these people screaming with their faces pressed up against the glass just being crushed and all these birds pecking Amazing dark stuff with this coverage, yeah. with this cloud following them and then like dang, dang 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 and it opens up again and then this huge flock of birds go through again yeah so yeah lots and lots of stuff like that um and again and i also figured they figure out all the way through uh people keep seeing that this little girl has this cage of two lovebirds and they keep freaking out being angry being scared being outraged saying what are you doing you stupid little girl kill those bloody lovebirds because they're birds and birds are now the enemy and she's like no they're, they're innocent which is a good impression of Veronica Cartwright actually so and don't you know it the scientist finds out that the two lovebirds together have a pheromone where which will counteract the the, the bird attack and you know lovebirds love conquers all so it's like oh okay why not that's great uh but yeah wouldn't you know it you need a male and a female together and that's the only way you can create this pheromone and we're in chicago now there's like a mad army general who wants to nuke the city because of all the birds he's lost his mind his like baby got carried away by like an owl he's so <laughs> fucked up and so he just wants to like you know go full-on uh dr strange love and just blow up Chicago or America or whatever. It's like, I gotta kill them all. So he's rushing to go and press the button. They're rushing with the birds um, and everything. And they get, you know, with the two lovebirds, they've got the cage and they're trying to get it out and then get the, uh, you know, the word out that you could do this and spray it and save everyone. But then the crazy general or whoever goes, no, lovebirds, ah. And there's a fight and he's reaching for the red button to blow everything up or a fight for a gun. And, they, and the cage with the lovebirds gets knocked over off the table and the door springs open and the two lovebirds fly out and they flap around the room and then go right out the window and they, they get away and that's it. That's the last chance humanity had. And it's all because of this Russian, uh, this, this country American general who's just like, it's all his fault and they're fucked. And the, the, the last shot is just, you know, the landscape just black black landscape covered with millions and millions of crows and black birds with these two in the foreground two flapping lovebirds just flapping and swirling swooping around each other because they're happy and they're together and they fly off and that's the end of the war of the birds and it's fucked and it really sets it up for a smaltzy ending but it's hitchcock and he's like nope <laughs> and and i will quickly say um then they do a third film, but it's not Hitch. He doesn't come back. It was made like five or six years later, whereas this the War of the Birds was made like one or two years, like 1961, 62. But like maybe 1967 or eight, the, the sort of third film comes out. And it's directed by like a real studio for hire type. Nothing against him, but there's some sort of a bit of a hack comes on and does it. And it's got some of the same cast. It's called Attack of the Birds. And it's a bit shit and sort of history even more than Godfather 3 it's just like oh no they made that shit third film do you remember and then, yeah <laughs> so and that's that's what I see as um as being the the birds trilogy and I've got uh uh I've got a uh, a tagline here um and I, I tried to think of taglines in the style of the early 60s um so I got for war of the birds from above they came swooping low to kill dot 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 wings of death Talons of terror, dot, dot, dot. Can mankind survive, dot, dot, dot. 
the war of the birds question mark two exclamation marks so you know <laughs> don't walk run it's the blob and also since hitchcock was always part of his advertising material i've got uh, witness hitchcock's first sequel terror so large it couldn't be held by one film so Jeffy. <laughs> <laughs> You've done some stunning pictures of your time, young man. That is by some distance the best so far. Oh, well, thanks, man. By some distance. It's amazing. So well thought through and realised that, like, my initial thing was like, okay, Shippy, as soon as you said it, and even before we took it apocalyptic, I was thinking, he's gone apocalyptic. That's totally right. That's exactly where it should go. And then you go on this global scale, and I was thinking... Crikey, would Hitch kind of do that where he bounces around like a Superman type movie, or you know, like that? Right, like, yes. But, but actually, when you talk about it and, and it make, makes sense, she was a globetrotter, the lady, and all that, you know, yeah, that kind of makes sense and nice and totally works. And yeah, have some fun. And he's really having some fun. And man, I see it. I, I can visualize it all. Some stunning images. The Golden Gate Bridge alone, man. That's just well, a yes. beautiful thought. And then the trade and the bloody. And I love the end. <laughs> and, uh, and I love the idea of strapping mum to the roof to bait. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't all have to be doom and gloom. You can make it relatively broad sometimes, even though macabre, but still. Yeah. That's a br- man. That is just so well thought through and realised. Just intimidatingly, because I'm not really going to do justice to North by Northwest, to be honest, in a moment, Sheppy, but we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. But that's really, I mean, amazing, man. Just a stunning, stunning, stunning pitch. Did you say you have, like, I another do. one, like a little baby cousin? I, I do, I do. Um, and it's sort of, it actually, you know, it does play to the fact that um, what you just said about Hitch, would he do this? So I actually have a, a logic to that. So... Um, the Birds 2, I think, was like 1963, I think, The War of the Birds. I think The Birds was 60. I have this written down, but I'm not going to check because I can't be bothered. But anyway, um, so Psycho was 60, and I thought sequel to Psycho, not Psycho 2, obviously, from the early 80s, which I like, but a straight-up sequel to Psycho. Uh, and um, 1962, guess what it's called? Psycho's. Uh, it it works I swear to god it works (laughs) I know I know and would I have thought of that if not for James Cameron I don't know and it's but it's psychos it's 1962 now the reason Hitchcock made the war of the birds other than it being fun and a massive canvas and a huge budget and all that was uh Universal said to him okay you can make your war of the birds and we're going to give you Cleopatra style budget for this um and, and Hitchcock's like, great, but also you can give me a really final cut, low budget, um, but I want to make a sequel to Psycho and I want it to be like arty as fuck. And they're like, okay. So it's, it's, a, it's his like Scorsese doing Cape Fear to say thank you to uh, the studio for Last Temptation of Christ. It's one of those. So because so, it's, it's low budget, it's black and white. It, um, it's got Anthony Perkins, Vera Miles, John Gavin, Martin Beslam, Mort Mills, Simon Oakland, and yeah, I know, I, I that's IMDb, but I, I wanted to be specific, and Janet Lee. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, so this is 1962, two years later, it's Hitchcock. Um, all of those names, obviously Perkins, uh, that's that's the main cast. It's a uh, 
it, the full cast returned, uh, the full cast, including the, those who are dead. Uh, it's set in an insane asylum. End of the movie of Psycho, of course, he gets carted off to an insane asylum. Psychos, it's plural, it makes sense. It's not just bullshit. So um, same full cast with all of the actors are playing different characters. Uh, they are occasionally shown as their original characters, sometimes for just a blink uh, for a second, did I just see that? Uh, sometimes even a small scene, it's, oh, if they're dead. I know where you've got um, already, Shippy. It's, it's going a bit Shutter Island. It's going a bit Jacob's Ladder. Um, and of course, it's all about the reality. You know, uh, it's a year or two after the events of the first film, and it's a warped reality straight off the bat. Art house hitch, experimental and surrealist hitch, uh, paranoid, claustrophobic, psychological, unsettling. The geography of all the rooms in the asylum, the corridors, the overall layout is all askew and subtle and wrong. It doesn't quite work. It's sort of Dali-esque, but also less uh, obvious than that as well. Little camera tricks like Kubrick does at the end of 2001, just breaking cinema language just enough to subconsciously suggest something's off kilter and the audience are aware of it, even subconsciously. The lighting is all expressionist, of course deep creeping shadows and lingering long shots and extreme close-ups, uh, lingering dread of all the way through the film, a house of secrets and death. Anthony Perkins plays Charlie, the new hospital orderly and low-level nurse who arrives for work and is introduced to the place by Vera Miles, for example, or someone else. Uh, the world and those inside it, he, um, he has an introductory meeting with the head nurse who's a ratchet type. Um, the director of the Institute is mentioned, but not seen for about 40, 45 minutes of the film. And when we do fight, see, it's Janet Lee, who is the director, uh, Dr. Marvin, I've called her. Uh, and 45 minutes, she's introduced because at the 45 minute mark in the original, that's when she exits. So I thought nice. that was nice. It's a mixed sex Institute, because I don't care, different wings, but that allows for, for example, Vera Miles to play a crazy person really out of character, that sort of thing. Um, both the inmates and staff are all unique and damaged, and no one is telling the truth. It's all paranoid. The head of the Institute is Janet Lee, Dr. Marvin, she's sinister. Charlie is given the responsibility of working with Norma Bates, the old lady who was brought in two years ago after killing at least two people in her motel, uh, the woman, Marion Crane, and the private detective, Albergassi. So there's an old lady who is called Norma Bates and Charlie has, uh, she doesn't talk to anyone else, uh, but she starts talking to Charlie, often acting like she knows him. As Charlie starts to lose himself inside the closing walls of the asylum, finding more questions, sinister mystery and violent death, the deeper he searches, Charlie starts to question his own reality, his own sanity, as he asks himself, who is the patient and who is the doctor? Who is the victim and who is the killer? What is hallucination? What is drug-induced? And what is reality? Uh, at one point, there's a scary scene where he finds a dead body in the shower, which may or may not be Marion Crane. Um, is someone messing with him? Another similar scene has a corpse rising from a bog, just like all these corpses were put at the back of the motel. 
Uh, and also the film remains fairly ambiguous in that we're never really given an answer. Uh, we do not discover, for example, that the whole place is inside Norman's mind and each character is a splintered fragment of his psyche uh, because that's, that, I don't know, I'm sure that's been done, but it, it's hinted as a possibility. Uh, there is murder, but the victims keep disappearing. Is it a cover-up? Is it Norma? Is it Charlie? Is it both? What lies inside treatment room number one? I mean, room number one being the, the dodgy peephole player. Uh, and who is the mysterious Mr. Norman, whose name is mentioned with increasing frequency by patients and staff? Uh, about the film, Hitch is quoted as saying, this is a film of questions, not answers. This is a story of riddles that twist and turn in the dark. If you think someone will come in and turn on the light, exposing the truth and setting your mind and nerves at rest, then you've come to the wrong screening. And the bad news is no refunds. And the tagline, good old Hitch, and the tagline is, um, okay, a couple of taglines. Don't lock the doors, dot, 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 you're already inside. Sort of a, kind of a double me. Don't enter... Uh, don't enter looking for answers dot 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 don't enter looking for hope dot 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 don't dot 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 enter <laughs> and, uh, that, that tickles me that's kind of a bit don'ty and also um come for a visit stay for a lifetime and similarly enjoy your stay or alfred hitchcock mr hitchcock invites you to enjoy your stay would be kind of on brand for that sort of thing. Uh, so anyway, so that that was I, I just because I thought of Psycho Two anyway because I was convinced you were going to do North by Northwest and I was going to do North by Northwest and because of that I was thinking of different things and I went with uh, with um, the birds. But that that this idea of this crazy fucking film with Hitchcock just like going I'm going to do this really really commercial film so I'm also going to do this really really non-commercial film and I have final cut and I don't care and it's really weird. And it's Hitchcock and Dolby. Yeah, I'm glad he loved that too. Again, mm. I can really see that. So cool. <laughs> the taglines are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it will make like three dollars that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hitchcock's over. He's done. Yeah, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> but, but that's just awesome, man. I love it. Flipping heck. Well, thank you. So, uh, just, you know, I, uh, I, mean, I had a, yeah. I had a, a creative burst. But, um, yeah, yeah really I, I'd watch this film. Jeez, it's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so cool. Um, well, look, I'm going to pull the Band-Aid off and just get mine done too, Sheffy. I'm loving it. Just, it's, it I, and I, I, I know you sometimes call me on it for being um, overly apologetic about my pitches. This is not in the same league as your two, and I'm not being, I'm not fishing for anything. This is just right. what it is, okay? But, uh... Let me say this. All <laughs> I want is the title, because if it's not South by Southeast, then I am baffled and intrigued and frankly a little bit aroused. So <laughs> hit me. What is, is it North by Northwest TOO? Oh my God, no. TWA. Uh... It is something I've wrung my hands on and may need your help with, Sheppy. But my title is a one-worder. Get that round your round your chart. I love it. And the <laughs> word is southerly. Oh. And um, and it's brought on by the inspiration of the the title. It was just going to be called like heading north by northwest or something. I think or northwesterly direction or something they were going to call it. But, um, but anyway, it's inspired by Hamlet. The title in the end. 
Well, Hamlet says, I'm, I am, I copied this quote, so I'll get it right. I am but mad north-northwest. When the wind is southerly, I know a hawk from a handsaw. And I wondered, I was thinking about hawk from a handsaw, and I thought that might be quite cool as well. But ah. I, I like keeping a compassy vibe to it. And I like southerly. just going single in and out, boom. That is classy all the way. That's top hat classy. I love it. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you said Southerly the first time round, so I wanted to make sure, because even without the classy Shakespeare angle, that's great. Um, just like you say, it's simple and it's different. It's so, because South by Southwest, of course, it's so stupidly obvious, and that's what I would have done. So yours, Southerly, it's, it's, it's classy, Jimbo. It's classy. Oh, yeah. If it was a restaurant, it would be Patrick Stewart's from L.A. Story. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to rewatch that. Uh, the, the, I, I debated a southerly wind, but then it kind of makes me think of a mighty wind, which always makes mm. me giggle. I've not seen the movie, but I just you just know. Exactly well, it's what a you're fart joke. So you've got <laughs> and a southerly wind. Are you kidding me? So <laughs> yeah. probably best to be avoided. <laughs> so we've got southerly. Great. Um, and uh, actually, two things I meant to say about Hitch, which are actually unrelated to this, by the way, a, a little bit, but I just wanted to just drop them in while we're having a Hitch podcast. I think this is the first movie that I ever saw the notepad trick, you know, where someone's written on a notepad and someone oh. comes in and does the pencil shade over the top and gets nice. the address of where that person's headed to or whatever, um, which I like. And I think it's the first mm -hmm. time I saw it. And I think just a totally different film, but unrelated. And we didn't talk about it, but Frenzy was uh, a movie that I held over you for some time. I remember seeing that quite early and then you hadn't seen it for ages. And, and I, I saw it in your house. Yeah, that's right. Without <laughs> you. <laughs> no, which is a very long story. <laughs> but that's another connection, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I just, and I, that was the first time I'd ever seen uh, um, the switcheroo. Actually, no, it's not strictly true because there's that moment with the car in Psycho, isn't there, where you're waiting for the car to go down and then it doesn't go right. down and then you're like, oh, I kind of want it to go down, you know? Yeah. And then um, you've got the type in and Frenzy, which has got a similar thing, which is just nice. Yes. And I always love how Hitch does that. That's not related to any of this. I just wanted to... But that is, that is great. Yeah, it's, it's about you not wanting the person to kill someone, but then instantly siding with them once that other person is dead and you're like, oh... And in both cases, you've got a murderer who's just killed someone you didn't, if you had a choice at the time, you would have stopped. But now suddenly you don't want them to get caught. And that's genius of Hitch. It's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Good stuff. I, I haven't got um, lots here, but I've got, a, I've got a bit, a bit of meat here, Sheppy. So we've got um, the, I mean, you and I know this very well. And it's, by the way, it's also interesting that we even had a bit of banter on Facebook, you and I, didn't I, saying, did we actually really both think about the same movie and all that sort of stuff? And I, because actually, I I mean, I, I've never assumed you would think anything other than this film was a bit of a masterpiece. But I think the, um, you know, we never really talked about it, you and I. Like, do you know what I mean? I assumed last week when you said that we were both going maybe a, re, a new Psycho 2 or something. But I, it's really interesting. I, I didn't know about the love you had for this. And I have a love for this too, which is all spun from watching it with my nan and just loving it, you know what I mean? And it being a real entry point into Kerry Grant movies for me and stuff and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's just cool. Nice. Like that That's it. a nice flip to our usual blather where we're going on about like when we saw a film for the first time together. And in this case, no, we've come at it from different directions, which yeah. is, yeah. Nice. I had Good no stuff. idea it meant that 
to you as well, which is just lovely, man. Like, you know, independently, we like this and not really ever talked about it. So, um, nice. I, uh, I think it's it's not without the two biggest flaws to Northwind West for me are the mother character, which she looks younger than him, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a bit awkward. And, uh, and but it's interesting how you know you play that against the normal Bates mother problems. You know, it's just interesting how, uh, how I guess how Hitch plays with that stuff. But then, um, but also just the. Um, did you? Yeah, I just saw your finger, Sheppy. Did you? Well, <laughs> but not not the finger that people might think. But no, it wasn't <laughs> rude. I just wanted to mention very quickly about yeah, uh, the old woman forgetting about um, Bates's mother for a second because that's different. But Hitch does like his old lady characters who are kind of busybodies or smart mouth and often mothers or mother figures maternal figures also in rope there's something similar the housekeeper is very much like the uh, maternal person to the people um and they're always and and hitch does like that and i will say despite the age weird timey-wimey loop of grant and his younger mother i will say i really i i like their relationship and and how Hitch has his characters always calling old women dear, but it's non-ironic. It's like, oh, hello, dear. And I I like that. (laughs) It's kind of cool. So, yeah, I like their relationship. And I'm always a little bit sad when, you know, Roger, you walk back, you hear? And he runs up and leaves her behind and you don't see her again. I could watch the whole film where it's kind of Last Crusade and it's mother and son having this adventure together. Totally. If they have got a great relationship and the whole yeah. thing in the hotel room and the but it's just lovely banter, isn't it? Just yeah. Stunning. And in the court, when the first time you see her, you've heard her on the phone, I think, but when he's in court and he's been done for drink driving and she gives this humph of like you're you're a strong standing character or something, and she does like an eye roll and he says, Mother, and that's the first time you realize she's his mother, and that's funny. <laughs> so many LOLs as well. You really forget how funny the movie is. It's yes, really, really yes. funny. Um, very good. He does great. I will also say one of the working titles, because they didn't know what to call it, um, and one of the working titles was literally up Abraham Lincoln's nose. Uh, making oh reference God. to the end. Swear to God, I don't know how serious they were about it, but that was what they called it for a while. Yeah, I maybe thought. jokey, jokey, but there you go. <laughs> Love it. The other thing I think is a bit of a flaw with it, only a small one, but it's just you—you have this really stunning character in Eve Kendall, Eva Marie Saint, like amazing, and yet she's a bit useless at the end. To be fair, where she's right. the one that's actually the undercover spy, you know, and I, I think. Um, so that's a thread that I'm pulling out in the sequel. I want to see more of her being awesome. Nice. Um, but, uh, and I guess the whole Hamlet quote as well, just in terms of, you know, knowing the hawk from a handsaw and knowing who your enemies and your friends are. Mm. That's kind of the gist of my sequel. The it's basically espionage. Going, yeah. Le Carrie-esque. Oh. I love it. So I'm going directed Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, I'm going 1964. I'm taking out a movie that we haven't seen talked about yet, Marnie. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, fair enough. Um, <laughs> Which I've I will never say, seen, by the way. It's okay. But let me ask you this. Do, do you know offhand, is it like 1958, uh, North by Northwest? Yeah, 58. Yeah, or 59, I think, actually. Yeah, yeah. But So five years later. Nice. Kerry's now in his 60s, but by God, can he still carry it? Come on. Come on. Can you carry it? 
<laughs> oh God! <laughs> I'll grant you that. Oh God! <laughs> um, so I've got everybody back on the table um, in, in terms of uh, Kerry Grant back as Roger Thornhill and George Kaplan. So he's going to um, assume nice. identity again. We've got uh, Eva back. We've got uh, James Mason back for a cameo oh, as Van Gogh because nice. he's only arrested at the end, isn't he? Yes. And um, and then I've got two <laughs> ridiculous cameo, two ridiculous people coming into the cast here, Sheppy. So I've got um, Frank Sinatra, and the name will change here as a as a Frederick Calzone or something like that. I just think right. of pizza nice. at the time. We need a different yes. gangster name. But uh, but he and Cary <laughs> Grant were best buddies. I went on a proper oh. Cary Grant wormhole, but apparently they were really good buddies, which is just nice. Oh, that's nice. Cary totally brings him back in to like sort of you know jump in on this. And then we've got, because <laughs> I sort of thought, well, Sean Connery won't be very happy with me, taking away probably one of his, his <laughs> one-time work with, you know, with Hitch. So uh, we've got Sean Connery in as a character currently named Victor, but that could be anything, wow. you know, and I, that will have more significance in a moment. So what did I want to see more of from that, from North by Northwest? Because we're talking about, you know, it's basically got a bow on it, the story, hasn't it? The original. So yes, yes. I, I really want to see more. I mean, who doesn't want to see 20 more hours of Roger Thornhill, basically? He's just such a really interesting character, really funny, really just kind of leans into a situation and runs with it, literally, obviously, but just he's just a really interesting guy. Brave, but also quite a... He's not... He, he, has, he throws a few fists and stuff, but he's not... You know, I'd say even Don Draper is more of a, a fighter. Like, do you know what I mean? Right, like, yes. And, and by guy. the way... Yeah, um, he is a madman in New York in 1958. It's right, he's in the next office to Dom Draper. You know, totally, he's a, totally. He's yeah, got the same job on Madison Avenue. Yes, yeah. he is a madman. Uh, love it. Yeah, so I just, I've got that here. Is he a good advertising man? We've got to get back into that world. I want to see more of yes. that. I love his banter with his secretary in the car at the beginning. Yes. It's just wonderful. So let's have some more. He has to be working for the same advertising company that Neil Page's. <laughs> yeah it's, it's all the same universe <laughs> um so yeah i want to see more of him obviously and uh, one thing i want to say about Kerry Grant's performance it's a very tactile performance he's doing lots of interesting things with his hands and his fingers throughout the whole thing i just i never noticed that about him before but he's sort of he talks a bit funny and there's a moment a beautiful moment where she kisses him after he's found, you know she's betrayed him and he doesn't hug her back, doesn't touch her, and he's just got his hands around her like that. I just thought it was a really stunning little decision to do that. And like, he's just a bloody genius, Kerry Grant. Yeah, nice. he, in this stage, he's so confident. He knows his screen persona. He knows what to do. Just yeah. stunning, stunning. Anyway, um, the, uh, I want to see, I've said already, even recent kicks some more ass and rather than be the damsel, I want her to be awesome. Um, I want, because she, she's so feisty, I just think it'd be great to see a bit more of that. I think I want the whole adventure to take place on the East Coast this time because we kind of had nice. it West last time. So let's move it to the East. And we're going to start with a, I think it'd be nice to start with an Eva adventure in Washington. And then we're going to just, the geography of the movie will then move down to Florida Keys at the end, nice. um, which is your southerly as well. Um, I think uh, 
what, what is he like as an advertising man, Shippy? I've been daydreaming about this a bit. I, I think he's I think. very good. I think he's an excellent, very successful advertising man based on his ease with himself. I, 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 I've always seen him as very, very successful and good at his job. I, I, I agree. I think exactly the same. And I think he's still, and he's knocking it out of the park, but bored with knocking it out of the park. And he's actually, this is where we pick up with him. So we'll have some, I haven't, I haven't done enough daydreaming on what her adventure is in Washington, but she's doing something awesome at the beginning. And maybe we're intercutting that with him being back at work as an advertising yes. man. And they're married, they you know, they're good, totally good, married yes. and it's all fine and they're together. But, you know, he's she hasn't got a given day up job. Day yeah, day. exactly. So they're, you know, and he's just a bit bored. You know, he's sort of nice. just missing the thrill of being yes. the uh, George Clapton guy, you know. Yes. And, um, well, and I he... suspect that he was bored at the very beginning of North by Northwest before it kicked off and it gave him, you know, he was he has a great time, even when he's ha- having a horrible time, deep down somewhere, he's really alive during that adventure, I would I say. What do you mean? There is something there about him getting the chance to do his bit almost in the espionage thing like he's sort of loving it and he has immediate great banter i'm forgetting the guy's name but when the the fellow that finally comes to him from the fbi and i because i was thinking at the time when i when i started watching it again and i was like it is the fbi that recruits him again at the end isn't it but i was thinking if they don't it's kind of a Jason Bourne-esque sequel where they left him out to dry. They hung him out to dry. He can take them down in the next movie. Anyway, of course, that's not the plot. But anyway, anyway, I'll get back to this. So look, he's, uh, he's bored, he's distracted. He's an advertising man again. He's missing the thrill of the chase. He's visited by a, a gentleman who um, is, is basically really keen to talk to him. Just a, a one-scener, never really seen again. But it turns out this gentleman works for the local big-time player, your Sinatra guy. Um, your, and, um, and this Sinatra guy was hoping that your man Van Damme would go down, you know, was going to take him out himself. And he's heard what, um, what, what uh, Kerry Grant's done, what, what Roger's done. And he's just super impressed with him. And he's like, really, you know, really grateful and just incredibly impressed that he's actually basically managed to like keep this cover of being Roger Thornhill. So they assume it's, it's the other way around. They say like George Kaplan is the dude that took down Van Damme and he, by day he's an advertising exec called Roger Thornhill. That's amazing. And this Sinatra guy wants to meet him, you know? And so he's obviously enticed by this because his wife gets to go off and do exciting things. Um, And, um, and and he goes to uh, to go and, and meet the guys uh, and and he I, he might get an audience with Sinatra at this point, but I'm also wedded to the idea of Sinatra being in the background a bit gecko esque of Wall Street, you know, like just you see him in the door and that sort of thing, and you know he's he's still dealing with the the first line of uh, management, if you know what I mean. Um, but but probably given his rep and given what he achieved, he's straight in with Sinatra, and they tell him about a plan where basically they have got some. Um, some uh, goods that they want to uh, to to sell to another like local place. He needs to go in and do the negotiation basically with them because he's such a wordsmith and he's very good. Do you know what I mean? And he's an advertising guy as well. Um, but he's also got the chops to bring down someone like Van Dam. Is he interested? He'll get a cut of the deal, kind of thing. And he's like, oh, and he goes home, wringing his hands a bit. Turns out 
she's all over it. She knows. The FBI knows. He's gone in to see the work. You know, it's not, there's not a step he can take without being followed, really, anyway, And uh, because he's such an asset. And, uh, and, and they encourage him. Well, she's a bit nervous for him, but they encourage him to go undercover with this gang and be the guy that can handle himself and go in. So it becomes a bit of a Departed-style thing where he goes in and he's working with the gang and he meets the muscle, which is a young Sean Connery, and um, so he's working for Sinatra as well. And, um, and so, so it's so it's young Connery, young Bond Connery as the the, the heavy villain, the physical threat villain. Yeah, that's totally. great, and wonderful. Then, and against Grant, um, who in another life could have been James Bond. That's amazing. Yeah. And I figured the um, then the, the, this deal goes down in, in Atlantic City. Um, and sorry, I got it the wrong way around from my thing. They're basically purchasing some goods off this group. Um, and um, so it's Grant and Connery going into the meeting. Grant manages to convince them to take the goods away without paying for them. Um, he's so good as a wordsmith. He's just really clever. And, um, and, and so he's got a win and he's actually enjoying the thrill of that moment. And then as soon as they think they're about to leave, they basically get held back for collateral until... The goods have been tested by Sinatra and his cronies and then paid for. And so they're basically, Connery and Grant are now, you know, at the mercy of these guys and been ostensibly kidnapped, but they're being held in a sedate, you know, 60s way where they're having nice drinks and nice times. You know? <laughs> and, um, and then um, at, at, at some point it goes south. I haven't really worked this out yet, but they get knocked unconscious, the two of them. Um, by uh, by this group that they've uh, they've they've decided to to buy the the goods off, and they get driven out to the woods, and they're basically left for dead in the woods, uh, tied to one another. So they've been betrayed in the whole deal as well, and everything. And um, and they wake up together. There's some banter, and this I'd love to see Connery and Grant in this scenario where they're basically tied to one another, and um, and as they're kind of trying to recombobulate establish themselves and work out what they're going to do next because they're just abandoned in the middle of nowhere and Kerry Grant notices a tattoo that on Connery that suggests he's Russian ex-KGB we know how good Connery is with his Russian accents and um, <laughs> <laughs> and they have a scuffle basically and um, and it's a scuffle where basically Connery outmuscles him he's a bigger guy and ultimately is about to kill um, Kerry Grant and then Kerry Grant confesses that he too is actually working undercover with the gang so they're both undercover um, Connery from the Russians and Grant from the Americans and um, and Grant's just like I'm just an advertising man you know if you kill me you're going to cause more problems and all that sort of stuff so they strike this little uneasy alliance and they get themselves sort of out of that pickle <laughs> and back to civilization. Um, and I haven't really worked out this next bit, but what I want to see happen next is basically Connery totally then flips it, betrays him, becomes the big bad. Oh. And because um, and, uh, and, and, he knows now his secrets and everything, knows about Eve and, and basically like goes after that. I quite like the idea of um, then Kerry Grant being kidnapped. And I just want her to be the true hero because she just has yes. it. And, and him to survive on his guile more than you know, his fists, if you know what I mean, at the end of this one. Yes. And I feel like it would be great to end it in the Florida Keys, some kind of spectacular Keys chase on boats and stuff. And I'd love, <laughs> I'd love Hitch to have a cameo as a sort of a, you are not thinking, I sure am, boy, type character on holiday in the Florida Keys. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just in the background in the Hawaiian chat. Nice. They're getting splashed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's as much as I worked up, Sheppy, on that. But um, but I. That's I, great. Um, but well, man, yours were bloody stunning. Well, no, wait, 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 wait. Stop, 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 stop. So about that, um, that's great. That's wonderful. Um, I love it. And just, I'm still reading from the title. That's great. Um, I agree. The thing is that we probably should touch on is that <clears throat> Hitchcock didn't treat his female actresses or characters very well. And this is, of course, a recurring thing. So, yes, in this reality, he's going to have to, I don't know, his last 10 films have been a huge flop and he needs this. And the studio head is like, you've got to have a strong female character. It's the 60s. We're, we're plowing ahead. And he's like, oh, OK. And he fights it. And there's this horrible, tense set, Whedon-esque but they, they get through it and it has this, like, she's like, oh, my God, I'm never working with him again. He's like, I'm never doing that again. I'm never casting any woman ever again. Because, yes, he has this strong, independent, cool uh, female spy character. And this film is famous as, like, yeah, true competitor to Bond, screamed <laughs> variety. So, yes, that's great. I love the idea of that. And also him not being a fisticuffs person ever in that film you know he survives the first film because he's a good drinker it's heavily established that he's a big drinker and that saves him so there's a good moral there kids just <laughs> drinking because you're gonna need that one day when martin landau pushes you down a fucking cliff so yes um no all of that's great the the flip of the um identity thing with thorndike and uh, thornhill and and kaplan that's that that's up there with Arnie coming out in your Last Action Hero 2 and it's the flipperoo. Uh, that, amazing, amazing. Uh, cinemat, cinematic gold, seriously. Um, so that's great. And the fact that they're going south and it ends in the Florida Keys and also I'm sure with crocodiles in the Florida Keys. Yeah. Um, no, I love it. And indeed, I like married couples having adventures, like in The Thin Man, this thing. Um, it's something that even they don't do enough of in, in films and things. I don't know, like the bickering, not will they, won't they, but just this. And so I like the idea of a whole series of these North by Northwest films with these two. And because of the guy, the M, if you will, the FBI guy, or the, um, who I've been calling Mr. Waverly, because he's exactly that character and the same character basically in uh, The Man from Uncle, who's basically the M and he's Mr. Waverly. So yes, him in this could pop up and they could be even on their honeymoon and he could say, you know, you've got to go and save the world. Or it could be, you know, you could have a whole series of them, like one year later, five years later, uh, they, they get a kid at the end of the third film and the fourth <laughs> film and a baby with them. You could have a whole series all okay, over the world. That'd be wonderful. North by Northwest. I feel like there's a, and, and the point is that he's the one who probably needs to get rescued more often than not. Yes. And it's got, it's a bit Remington Steely, isn't it? You know, yes. I like it. And it's just kind of, yeah. and she's the one who kicks ass and, and, and is very, very savvy with this whole spy yes. paper. And uh, yeah, I think I'd watch that forever, to be honest. Yeah, that's great. He's the charmer, um, but she's the knuckles. But of course, she's a very competent spy. Um, he's just uh, got the gift of the gab, as they say, and that's his superpower. I love them. And he's In Cary Grant. He's 100% yeah. charisma. 
And that's it. And, and it would be really fun to see Cary Grant. And you see it a bit, he's a bit vulnerable in North by Northwest with her, actually. He falls for her in a way that feels true. And he feels yeah. hurt with the with Mason, you know, actually being yeah. with her. And um, and I think it'd be fun to just see that you've got to, I mean, you cast Sean Connery, you've got to play that a bit as well, haven't you? A bit of jealousy yeah. somehow along the line, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, she seduces Connery because she's undercover and she does the James Bond move and gets the information. So she fucks her at the very least, kisses Connery and Grant's like, I don't believe it. It's like, oh, come on, it's all part of the job. And it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and that that's cool. Again, I cannot see Hitch going for this, but you know, or maybe we've got us. Like uh, they 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 send her in to seduce Connery, and then basically he's much more interested in Grant, you know. In this oh setting. well, I mean, now you're talking. I mean, I would watch that. I yeah. can't. I mean, in, I, I don't know what alternative universe, but I'm all for it. Um, yes, yes, by all means, have Connery yeah. in 1963 playing proper gay for for Grant. Yes. Marvelous, and then Grant has to seduce Connery in the you know, it meant nothing, dear. Uh, yes, <laughs> marvelous. Uh, oh, Gimbo, it's been such uh, a session, it's been great. What though. a ride! Yeah, yes, loving it. Well, look, I I'm feeling good then to just sort of tee up for next next time, old buddy. And um, I'm loving it. Well, it's your choice, I'm very excited. Well, look, I um, I've actually been. <laughs> We're falling into a niche, you and I, here, where you're bringing the prestige to this and I'm dragging us back. <laughs> and that's consistent, definitely. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and then uh, the other thing is that, um, of a, actually only once, really, but you've been slightly more prescriptive than me, if you know what I mean, in terms of where we go or, or, or the rules. I'm going to be very prescriptive with this one. Oh, I love it. Um, and um, so... This is a TV show uh, or, you know, whatever you want to say. It can be as many episodes as you like. Jeremy, you can go Uber or it's probably 10 a season, probably. Um, okay. It's a TV show. Um, it is set. It's made now, today. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the giggling. The, the giggling is making me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I bet. I'm sorry. So, um, but it's basically <laughs> okay. it's basically because uh, we were slightly inspired by Cobra Kai in creating this pod, right? Nice. Similar vein to that. Um, this TV show, I'm going to give you the name. It has to be called this. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm bloody loving it. Oh, it has to be called Cocktails and Dreams. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right i see the writing's on the wall and it's neon yes <laughs> brilliant come back and uh and it's set it's now we're talking cobra kai style yeah. it's now okay now you yeah. your, your discretion is whether you decide this is a universe where tom cruise is washed up and needs the gig and comes right. back and it's fully following flanagan in his new life or whatever like johnny style <laughs> or yeah. this is son of flanagan and you get a cruise cameo you go wherever you want to go with it Sheffy. nice we're doing cocktails oh. and dreams and i want season one i want the arc of season one wow. okay that's and amazing for season two <laughs> I'm tingling, I'm tingling. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, speaking of cocktail and Cobra Kai, I guess you could say the shoe is on the other foot. Oh, God. <laughs> never that been happier. Is... I've never been happier. Uh, I've never been prouder. 
oh my god well you've you've blown my mind and i was bracing myself jimbo i was bracing myself for something nasty but this is a, a blanket of love and i'm loving it um yes um bring on the brown pants that's what i say right? <laughs> brown pants. so yes <laughs> wonderful i can't wait lovely very good now we need to sign off <laughs> any Great. ideas for this week oh no uh you did a brilliant Cary Grant earlier that I didn't pick up on, by the way. Brilliant Cary Grant. Like, it's just oh. wonderful. I can't remember the moment you dropped it in. I was just stunned. And it was like a, it, I don't even know if it, it was like a, oh, really? I don't know. You did it beautifully. I like, don't think you. I can ever do it again now then. That's it. That's great. If I we'll if I'm somehow, it. yeah, that's good. But I'm not going to try and do, do one now. But we could say like, I don't know, uh, Archie Leach says goodbye. I know, that's a bit rubbish, isn't it? Any, uh, wonderful enough. Don't, it's been don't flock all at once. Let's flock off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can drive any flocking thing I like. Oh my god. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.